Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. Fire Service Data and Tech Talk. Hey, everybody, it's Eddie Buchanan with the Fire Service Data and Tech Talk podcast on fire engineering. We've got a really cool episode for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about HR related things, right? So I was the administrative chief in my department when I retired, and HR was one of the functions that I oversaw. And we had many headaches back then, but one of the primary headaches we had was trying to balance uh, timekeeping, like keep, you know, just hours and timesheets and those types of things with minimum staffing, trying to make sure we met minimum staffings every day, then trying to balance our PTO accruals because our HR department wanted us to make sure people burn their PTO down appropriately. And then I'll put all that together. And then how does that impact overtime? And it was always something that was very challenging for us. And uh, it seemed like a math equation we never could really solve. So I've got a couple of guests joining me today that uh, have some you know, unique insight into that. Uh, one of my guests is Brandy Miller. Brandy is a community risk reduction specialist for South Metro Fire Rescue. Uh, Brandy, you wanted to uh, thanks for being on the show and give us a little bit about your background and where you're from. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I've been in the fire service for about eight years total. Uh, started with an internship uh, with wellness and firefighting and kind of morphed into a, a passion for community risk reduction. But along the way, I did a lot with EMS education and staffing. Um, a lot of the stuff I did for staffing for a few years was in a civilian position, uh, taking over previously for an officer or chief that was doing it. Um, so I have some interesting insights on uh, ways to utilize staffing. Um, and yep, I think that's about it for my background. Awesome. And, and we met at a conference, a community risk reduction conference in Tennessee, just just talking shop. And uh, Brandy mentioned some of the things that she had done related to staffing. And I was like, ah, you got to be on the show. So I appreciate you coming on. And uh, we'll, we'll have some I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about what you did there. And my other guest here today is uh, Jeremy Mainers. Jeremy is the executive officer. Now, Jeremy, what is that rank? So I'm a captain. A captain. Okay. A captain with Carmel Fire Department out in Indiana. We were joking before we started the show, uh, the land of a thousand roundabouts or whatever. I've, That's correct. I've been there. It's an awesome place. Really, really cool uh, place. They hosted the uh, Metro Fire Planners uh, Conference last year. And uh, tell us about your background, Jeremy. How'd you get into fire service and, and what do you do there today? Uh, yeah, let, let me first say thanks for having me. Um, just like Brandy said, uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, I grew up in a family of, in the fire service, third generation. My brother is a firefighter as well right here in our community. So uh, that's kind of where I became into the fire service. I've worked for the Carmel Fire Department for 14 years now and uh, worked myself up uh, through the ranks uh, at different levels of the department. And now I'm the executive officer, like, like chief said. Um, and basically what that job is, is, uh, the aid to the battalion chief. Um, I drive him everywhere he goes and I also assist him with all of his staffing needs from day to day. We have around 50 people a day on shift and we're responsible for, uh, for tracking all of their needs every day. So it's definitely a two person job. Um, when it gets, when it gets hot and heavy for sure. Are you seeing any challenges with, um, you know, as, as far as balancing PTO versus OT versus minimum staffing? And is it challenging for you out there? We have uh, our own unique challenges for sure. A lot of it is self-inflicted. Uh, we're very fortunate to have um, requirement for minimum staffing. So we, we run with four people on our engine and five on our ladders every day. And uh, we can't run short for more than eight hours on those apparatus. Um, so it does create uh, quite the overtime for uh, for our department. Um, it's it's a blessing, but it's also a, a challenge for sure. Uh, our department and our union uh, and our city have committed to staffing our trucks fully at all times. And uh, it's, like I said, it's a blessing, but it definitely uh, creates its unique challenges for sure. Well, you know, it's uh, my department got caught up in that uh big outage they had a while back. I don't know if you remember the telestaff, Kronos, mm -hmm. uh, where we, we lost uh, all access to everything for a couple of months. And we went back to paper timesheets. 
<laughs> which, which was exciting, right? So uh, we go, we start using these paper timesheets again, which to somebody my age, it didn't freak me out because that's what I started using. You know, I was like, yeah, okay, we used to do this. We know how to do this. And, uh, but we, we had to do some training with that, uh, with our uh, newer folks, I guess. And uh, the math, we, I worked with some pretty smart people uh, in our finance department <laughs> to try to figure out what in the heck is going on with, uh, you know, not only were we trying to understand how, how many people can I let off a day on, on PTO, because I have to do that. And then how many uh, people do I have, have on overtime to meet minimum staffing? When we start putting all that math together, I mean, even with the finance department I had that, that were brilliant with, uh, you know, analytics and these types of things, we were having a heck of a time trying to figure it out. And uh, to this day, I still don't know that we ever did. We had overtime expenditures. We were about a million dollars over budget uh, in our overtime, and uh, we couldn't really place our finger on why. So what what kind of tools are you guys using, Jeremy? Uh for tracking that? What, what platforms are you guys keeping this data? We, uh, we do most of ours through uh, vector scheduling or CrewSense currently. Uh, we okay. did have uh, Telestaff for a long time up until about three years ago, maybe four. Um, and it just created, it, it had gotten to the point where we needed a, a newer platform. Uh, Kronos, the, the way we do things wasn't working for us anymore. So we went with, with vector scheduling. Uh, it's, it's been pretty nice. It's, it's a computer program, so it has its pluses and minuses just like any of the others. So um, the, the issue we run into is like you talked about using the, the, the smart people in the finance department and there's algorithms that they use to, to create the data dump from what we put in to what then has to go into payroll and then on to the payroll company that does all the payroll for the city. So uh, I know our previous administrative chief was probably in the same boat as you, even with the computer al algorithms and everything else. Um, it was a challenge every day um, to make sure everybody was right. With 170 employees, um, there's always something that can be a problem. Right. Hey, Brandy, what are you using? Tell us about um, tell us tell us what you're using today. First off, for platforms. <laughs> And the applications. And then, then I want to get into what you did to tie all this stuff together because it was actually, it blew my mind when I first heard that. Awesome. I'm happy to share. So just to give a little overview, um, where I'm working now uses Telestaff. And in my previous experience at a couple different departments, we used Telestaff and then also made the transition to CrewSense. So um, I can I can tell you about that process in a moment um, for for South Metro, I have moved from a staffing position to the risk reduction position. So just to clarify, I'm currently not doing the staffing, uh, but as of a couple months ago, I still was. So we were using uh, Telestaff as well, but it was not connected to the other programs like I had told you about, um, mostly used for just placing people. And the departments that I've, I've worked for have been uh, between six and 800 employees. So on a bigger scale, I think that makes a big difference too when you're trying to keep track of all those people. Um, even a hundred some is a lot. And then when you're, you know, working with 30 plus stations and 10 plus special teams and minimum staffing um, and all those, those parameters, it gets very hairy. So the current model is having three staffing specialists, uh, one for each shift. So we have A, B, and C shift on a 4896 schedule. Um, and it's uh, sometimes it's still a work in progress. Like I said, um, both positions that I've held in staffing at, here in a different department, I inherited it from a uh, line chief or captain who was doing it on their respective shift. So uh, it looks a little different when you try and morph it into a 40-hour week, in my opinion. It, it changes the dynamic of how you do staffing and how you plan ahead of time. Um, but uh, telestaff now is different than the way I experienced it a few years ago when I did that transition to CrewSense. And at that time, we were having some of the same issues you probably were, um, especially with getting some IT help and communication. And the vector scheduling or CrewSense was really uh, helpful and communicative and really walked us through that that transition and ultimately made us make that change. So I'm not sure if South Metro will ever look at going to a different platform. Uh, it seems like Telestaff is meeting the needs currently. But as we continue to grow, I've put in my two cents that it would be worth looking at if we 
you know, want to make some upgrades or look at other programs just to see how we could be tying in other programs to really help minimize the headaches we all experience. Now, and, and you mentioned a good point uh, when you, we talk about applications, different applications. There's a little bit of that if, it, if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of thing, right? right? So. Moving from one application to another is a monumental task. Yes, it's a, it's a job unto itself. Right, and I think it's often underestimated. Uh, you know, well, this looks better. This is shiny. Let's go use that. Uh, well, <laughs> there has to be an exported data. There's got to be an imported data, and it's got to all come over and make sense. And you got to connect it to everything. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a little bit more challenging. So I, I I would give that word of caution to anybody. You know listening to this show that uh, make sure you do your homework about those migrations. Those are not, that's a show by itself. By <laughs> way, but, um, so how, how did you, um, how did you get these things to talk? Because that was my problem. Like we would, we would get an exported data out of one thing, get another exported data out of something else, try to get it all cleaned up and, and then get it to, to do something. Uh-huh. And then we were never actually sure if we had it right or not. That's fair. You know, so tell us tell us about the process that you use to to defeat that. So in my position as the staffing specialist, I aided in that process of, you know, almost cattle prodding all of these different platforms we were using in the migration over. And like you said, it's already a really big challenge to do that with one program. And we at the time had um, I want to say three or four programs that were connected to Telestaff. So it wasn't just jumping ship to CrewSense. It was finding how we could collect, save, archive, and export all the existing bridges and uh, data we had in those other platforms over to CrewSense. So for us, it was a very um, hairy decision to make. And it took a few months to make that that dedication and then over a year for the actual migration to happen. Um, So I was not there for the uh, initial connection of those programs to Telestaff, but I was there to see the migration to CrewSense. Um, With that, we used uh, ESO for fire and uh, EMS reporting. So using that one platform for both uh, sides of reporting, that ended up making things a lot easier in the long run. It was a large piece to bite off initially because that's not what they were using before. Um, So that was almost like two platform migrations happening at the same time, but ultimately for the future would make it more user-friendly. The next one was our payroll, and I believe it was uh, ADP. I can't remember for sure because that was finances math area, but I helped build the bridge to get them connected. so that was two of the aspects. And then we were using vector solutions uh, for training, uh, credential keeping, and things like that. So coming from different departments, I've now seen three or four different ways that Telestaff and CrewSense can be utilized. And some places use it just for staffing alone, and it does what they need. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And for a couple of them, it was really cool to have that complex relationship with all the other platforms, but there needed to be one source of truth. And so we would always try to make Telestaff or CrewSense that one source of truth and have these other platforms talking to each other. So from my perspective, I had a data analyst helping and some IT specialists helping to bridge those APIs, but it was my responsibility to export all employee IDs and information from all four or five platforms that we were using, kind of audit all of that information to make sure that it was still updated and relevant. And if it wasn't, that all had to be run through HR and finance um, and made sure that it was updated. So we were putting good information into the new system, into those new bridges. Um, So that took a long time. And then each respective division, I could say like training, kind of went through all the training records, made sure the certifications were current and in order. Um, HR did their part with some private personnel files and names, birthdays, all those things. Uh, EMS division did the same with the reporting um, and then finance for payroll. So once all those things were sorted out, that's where IT and the data specialists kind of helped me recreate those bridges to the new platforms. So you you used the term one source of truth. (laughs) Yes. So that that's a, a interesting thing, Jeremy. What do you guys use for that? So when we say one source of truth, we're we're saying there's a master record somewhere. All data 
connects in some way back to some place. What are you guys doing, Jeremy? Where do y'all connect? What's your one source of truth? We, um, I don't know that we've created those bridges like Brandy talked about. We, our stuff is kind of in different places for different things. Um, our payroll and everything is through the crew sense, but uh, our, our training is through Vector Solutions. Uh, and I don't know they're the same company, but they don't really talk to one another that I'm aware of. And then our like personnel rosters, we just uh, we have a, a lady that loves smart sheets and <clears throat> they've created smart sheets that um, that track all that stuff. So um, that's that's where we keep our our, our more personal information um, for, like that would be HR information. Um, but then, yeah, it's, it's multiple platforms. I'm I'm listening to Brandy thinking, man, we need to get on these different bridges because we use all the same platforms she's using. We use ESO, we use uh, Vector Scheduling and Vector Solutions. So, um, yeah, I need to pick her brain a little bit more to see if we can condense what we're doing for sure. Well, that's I think that's an important thing to point out for if you're listening to the show, you know, that one source of truth, that's, that's kind of where you start, really. That's the home base for where the data lives. Um, we, we, and we debated that in my department back when I was working there, like, what is the one source of truth? Is it the timekeeping application or is it the, or is it payroll, mm-hmm. you know, or, or where, where, who is that? And that was a great, we spent a solid month debating that, <laughs> that question, you know, so well, that's an important piece to get right. Well, Br- keep telling us the story, Brandy. How, how are you taking these platforms and tying them together? So, um, I would like to also point out while I answer your question, Currently, um, at South Metro, we don't have our payroll talking to Telestaff. So we have another UKG product uh, for payroll, and we do timesheets separately. Um, so it's just important to know the difference, I guess. So when I'm talking about this this uh, migration and integration in my past experiences at another department, it's a completely different way of doing things. And ours is still efficient in its own way at South Metro, but I came on board to an existing program and mm-hmm. all that. So we just haven't uh, made any of these changes. Uh, maybe it'll stimulate some change with these conversations. But um, at the previous department, when I came on to the existing uh, relationships, it was a routine export of the other programs. And I'm, I only know so much. <laughs> so my knowledge stops on the IT aspect at a certain point. Mm-hmm. But they would talk to each other around midnight every night is once these API bridges were built, I do know with the payroll that we were using, it was needing either a four or five digit employee number to talk to Telestaff or CrewSense. And we either had one or the other. So it was a big haul to change all of the employee IDs for 700 people um, to whichever one it needed to be. I remember it being one number off. Um, so just things like that. Like you said, it takes a month to discuss what your source of truth would be. It was a month-long discussion for us. Do we even go a- go ahead with changing everyone's employee ID by one number? Or how does that affect historical records? All of those things. So we also historically had High Plains as our HR source of truth. So when High Plains was no longer what we were needing or serving our needs is when we decided to start making those changes to the other platforms. Um, Even though Vector Solutions, Vector Scheduling, all those are the same company, they do not talk to each other automatically, like you were saying. Um, So we had a representative from each and had a big old meeting and kind of talked about our needs and what we were looking to do. And with a department that big, I think it was more of a necessity for us to start connecting those things. And I think it'd be great for anyone and everyone. It's just a big task to know on the front end. Um, but if you can describe your needs, it's kind of amazing what you'll find that these programs can do when they talk to each other. So having Telestaff or CrewSense be our source of truth meant if we had any updates um, with our personnel, it needed to be entered into that that program first. And then at midnight every night, it would talk to those other programs that we had hooked up with it um, and would update Vector Solutions and uh, the payroll. And it could have been the other way around as well. But we did need to choose where we were going to enter, update, and delete that information from first. Um, So from my understanding, once we had these representatives knowing what we needed, they kind of gave us a to-do list of what to prepare for them. And then between them and IT, they were able to upload all of that information to create the bridge between the programs. 
Um, and then from there on out, I believe it was our IT division that kind of maintained those bridges and made sure that things were backed up and archived. Um, and we did fortunately dodge the telestaff crash that you were referring to earlier, uh, I think within a couple months of transitioning to CrewSense. So I heard horror stories about departments having to go to the paper rosters after years of having are solely relying on those staffing programs. It was exciting. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. API. So look, explain, uh, you know, I'm fairly new to the tech and the data thing, so I had to look it up. What, tell me what an API is. Explain that for folks that may not know. I was going to say, if you looked it up, you may have a better definition than I do. Mine would just be <laughs> describing it as I know it. So if you'd like to share what like, the definition is, then I can expand on what I know about Application it. program interface is is what I understand that it, that it stands you know stands for. But but like it's it's the widget or the gizmo that's causing these things to talk, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and and that's an important piece to understand. That's that's kind of the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, when you start to put this together, you have to understand what that is. And and I, I can tell you how to build one. I have no idea, but I know it's something that smart people do somewhere in a room. And they, they hook them up and they work, right? So what's your, I mean, what's your experience with that? So those are the, the people that know that stuff. Those are the ones we brought in to help with us. So, right. and they're the ones that would give us the to-do list. And it was really, to me, like a cookie cutter kind of thing. Like they would give us a smart sheet or an Excel sheet with the information that they needed in the specific order to make those, that interface talk. So it would be different for every platform. So I think the reason we picked the multiple platforms platforms we were using to connect was because they were compatible. There were different payrolls and different programs that were not compatible, that their API, APIs would not link up correctly. So I'm not sure as of today if you know most major programs have kind of eliminated that issue that they don't all talk to each other. I would kind of think that most would want you know, more business, it would just make themselves easy to plug and play. Um, but I am not sure. So I do know the ones that I listed, they, they're the major players. Um, I went to an ESO conference two years ago and was very pleasantly surprised at just how much momentum they have and what they've been doing to expand the entire industry. Uh, so it looks like they're making things as easy as possible for departments to start connecting those if, if that's what they're looking for. Um, but, if, oh, go ahead. I would add that if, if you're considering something, any sort of application, that's something that you want to ask. The questions you want to ask are, you know, what, what sort of APIs are you, A, can you do it? Will you share it? And what's it going to cost me if you do? Right. <laughs> These are Big important question. questions to ask of any, any provider, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. How are you hanging over there, uh, Jeremy? You, do you, are you familiar with APIs at all? Just, just basically what you have. We've, we've been looking yeah. at other programs for other portions of our tracking, and um, same thing. What, can, what program talks to one another? Uh, the, our biggest one is our county dispatch system. Um, they, the county likes to hold all the cards, and they don't want to talk to anybody else. And if they do, it's a pretty large number for them to create the algorithm to talk to one another. Uh, so we're running into the same issues. Like they don't want to talk. They want to, they want, they do that. We'll, we'll, we'll gladly do it for you, but there may not be the best program because we don't get to pick the County picks right. that one. So um, we've, it's a common, common theme, yes. my friend. <laughs> across the country. So, and like Brandy said, uh, we've been, we've been, we use ESO for our, just our EMS tracking, but we've been looking at it for fire tracking and other things as well. We've also looked at first do, uh, and their platforms, uh, and same thing. They all kind of do all the same, and some of them want to talk, and some of them don't. And finding a way to create that bridge uh, internally would would be great for all of us, I think. And I think it's important. That, you know, we don't really endorse one application over the other. No, right. we're just describing what this is. What we're using here, we're using this screwdriver and yep. that wrench. Yep. So. Uh, you know, I think it's important that everybody, every department do their research and find out, ask these questions. These are, these are good questions for you to take and jot down someplace when you do go looking. Mm -hmm. to, so you'll be informed when you start the process. For us, it was always keep, uh, so, yeah. like there, those, those companies are teaching me. We're, hey, we want a program that <laughs> yeah. can do this. Well, w what about this, this and this? And oh, I never thought of that. But I'm, I'm like you, Chief. I, uh, the API thing is brand new to me for sure. I just saw it zinging through conversations and, you know, we'd be at a meeting and somebody says something about an API and I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, I'm on my phone Googling, man, yeah. you know? 
So it's uh, certainly something that's a common, it's going to be a common term pretty soon, I think, if it's not already. So I agree. But keep, keep walking us down the path. Uh, yeah. When, tell us more. One piece I did forget to mention, just uh, getting the cart before the horses, uh, your availability to CAD data. Um, and I've been fortunate enough at a, a couple of big departments that we have just such a robust internal IT and dispatch that belongs to us that they are able to link our CAD data directly to these platforms. So that is a whole nother ball game. I do think you, you saw the potential to link some of the other programs just for ease of use for your department. Um, but that does play a role in how we track our incidents, incident numbers, employee numbers, all those things. Um, so I, I think along the way, we also tried to get more quality out of the programs we were using. So we started putting more emphasis into ESO because they offered uh, an also new program within it. You just had, to, it was like a, an increased subscription, if you will, uh, for personnel management. Mm -hmm. And that is where we were able to dump our high planes, like data dump into the new personnel management within ESO, um, then have the EMS and fire incident reporting all la link up with that in CAD. Um, and then we also, another thing I forgot was uh, we onboarded a tracking and inventory uh, company as well. Um, so we vetted those options for different um, inventory platforms for medications, for apparatus, uh, everything, inventory, um, and found whichever program they thought was best and also were able to link that API in with CrewSense. So CrewSense was very versatile. It was very easy to plug and play, but it did take a couple years of research uh, on each of the separate platforms to build those relationships. And that's when we'd invite those smart people into the room and say, this is what we had. This is what we're looking to do. Can we be friends? And how much does our friendship cost? Like you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you using for inventory? That was one of my other pains in my neck. Um, was keeping track of stuff. I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue. Let me think. It was. Oh, my goodness. I can see it. And it wasn't. I think uh, the Vector Solutions Company, they offer one. And we did trial that one, but it's not the one we ended up going with. Um, oh, Vendnovation. Vendnovation was one of them. Vendnovation. And I believe that one was more for the medications. Um, mm -hmm. And let's see here. And those, you know, user access was another thing I wanted to mention. Um, and I can hold on to that one for a second. But that differed for different people in the department. But it was very very functional the way that we had it all set up for uh, admin versus user access and all of those platforms. Um, PS tracks. Sorry, it took me a second to think of, think of it, but PS what tracks. Is, what is it? PS tracks. tracks, but I believe it's T-R-A-X. And I think Paul that Simon was more track. the inventory side of uh, equipment and apparatus. That was one of... Uh that was a massive undertaking for us, just keeping track of where all the widgets are mm -hmm. and who has what widget. Yes. You know, so pulling that into that is even, I might have to go lay down for a second because you saw most of my problems. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> but uh, it, it was, uh, that's pretty amazing. Okay. So we, we, you have all these things connected. Mm -hmm. Tell us how, how do you use it? <laughs> Um, you like, don't, you just look at it real pretty. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's a dashboard and it <laughs> yeah, tells yeah. you. It does everything for you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so that's a whole nother headache, but one worth having once you get it all mapped out is who's going to be the, the gatekeeper, if you will, is kind of how we referred to it as we need a gatekeeper for each of these platforms. And sometimes it was per division, uh, which made multiple gatekeepers per platform because um, it could just get it could either get too messy with too many cooks in the kitchen with everybody having access to some of those programs or it would be one person in charge of everything and that wasn't suitable because that person might be out or not remember you know it just delegating those tasks was uh, a long process but ended up working really well um, the the medication tracking and EMS related things, we'd have uh, the EMS captain and chief have full access to that and make sure those records were always looking good. And we had uh, safety and medical officers as well that were kind of designated specific tasks within those programs to check records and audit and make sure that 
everything's moving smoothly. For each platform, I believe if there was any hiccups or anything didn't look right, we had a representative that we could call that was like a regional representative for us that would kind of be on call and be able to help us almost on a whim if anything wasn't acting correctly. Um, for the sor single source of, source of truth um, and some of the personnel records, like HR would be in charge of having those confidential records and you could uh, potentially work alongside them or with them to get things ironed out or updated however, but they would be the ultimate gatekeepers. Um, see, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that we had. Same for training. So everyone in the department had access to all of these platforms. Um, maybe not the civilian admin staff that would, they probably wouldn't need access to like the inventory tracking. Um, but other than that, the staffing program, uh, training records, things like that, the HR records, they did have limited access to those things. And in my experience comparison, um, now at South Metro, only staffing and people involved in staffing have access to telestaff. And there's a license fee you have to pay for each person to have, um, which is also a huge barrier, I think, for a lot of departments because that is really expensive. So um, in our current model, there's a reason behind it all, uh, which I'm still learning sometimes, is just that there's payroll separately. And we all do have access to our payroll and timesheets, but not everyone needs access to telestaff. Um, so there is a... Uh, PDF roster, just a copy of the daily roster that's sent out via email every day now, so we can all see the roster. Uh, but as we all know in staffing positions, that staffing can change every five minutes, you know, and anything can happen. So I find often that the paper roster that comes out in the morning doesn't always reflect what's actually going on throughout the day. So fortunately, we have a great communication system with our battalion chiefs and district chiefs, and it's very simple to get in touch with whatever you might need. Um, but I did like in my previous experiences that no matter the where you work in the department, you could log into Telestaff, you could see the roster, you couldn't do anything to it, um, but you could see the live version at any time. Um, so that was kind of nice for planning purposes if you're scheduling meetings with someone or you needed to visit a station. Um, same for like routine EMS scheduling for, gosh, like inspections, um, anything really. It was just nice to look at those rosters and have access to them. Um, with that, we used it to pretty good extent, uh, Telestaff and CrewSense. Since everyone had access, each division within our department, uh, the division head would kind of check over the timekeeping aspect and validate it every week. And once it was validated, payroll would automatically see that on their pay cycle. And so they just had a great routine going um, that everyone was aware of. And it made probably cut down a lot of time and cost of payroll auditing and things like that. So there's definitely more aspects to what I'm sharing with you than the little bit that I'm telling you. Well, yeah, you said a lot right there, just in the mm -hmm. just the validating time and all right. that kind of stuff. Access. I want to talk about access for a second. Sure. Um, from your experience, Jeremy, do y'all have any sense of frustration that things work smoothly? How does it go for you as far as being able to get to what you want to get to as far as applications go? Most of our people have access to almost everything. Uh, but like Brandy said, a lot of that access is view only. So um, I know that and, and we have people that check us on the schedule all the time. Hey, you know, I should have been paid for this on this day. And, and we welcome that because, <laughs> you know, I was driving. You, you want to see somebody, out. you want to see a smart guy yeah. <laughs> yeah. do something on their timesheet. Exactly. Man, they're smart. They see everything. Yeah. So the, uh, the, everybody is able to see that and it tells them exactly what their, their, their qualification for the day is, whether it be the same or, or different. So I think that's helpful for us because it, it helps eliminate some of those mistakes because I make mistakes every day and uh, having multiple eyes helps keep those things in order. Um, the relationships there with the people also help that too because uh, having a good relationship allows them to, to easily and quickly give me a call or shoot me a text and say, hey, something's wrong. Um, but it's the same with the, um, the training tracking, the, um, the payroll not so much. Once it goes to payroll, it's kind of out of our hands. Once the uh, the people over at HR and our payroll department get a hold of things, it takes some time to get things adjusted. But um, I think the access is is critical. Like like Brandy said, a paper sheet 
in the morning can change 20 times throughout the day. We, we print out our roster to throw in the battalion car with us in the morning and it's got scratches on it every day by the time, by the time we're done. So uh, being able to see that. 6 a.m. miracle, man. nice. (laughs) Staffing miracle every morning. That's right. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious to see how you leverage all this brand. You got it. You got it wired up. You got it hooked up. And I think, you know, it's important to map out access. That's an important piece of it because the, the people that need to see stuff need to see it without a whole lot of hassle. And at the same time, you can't booger the system up. You have to you have to be mindful of the integrity of the system. So that's another little, that's, that could be another show unto itself probably <laughs> to talk about how to structure access for your applications. But Absolutely. Uh, now let's, uh, let's see this thing work. How, how do you, like, how would I, what information do I glean from this? So I think an important piece, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that plays into that as well as like how we entered accruals. And I always just assume that, you know, you know what I'm talking about, but you may not if you don't use this program the same way. So with what you guys have experienced, have you entered, <clears throat> so sorry, have you entered accruals into a staffing program that creates those minimums for your time off? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and so <clears throat> and I think from an HR perspective, it's important to understand there's typically with accruals, they escalate with time and service, mm-hmm. right? So you've got your one to five years, they're accruing at a certain rate, you're five to 10, they, you know, and it escalates as they finally caps out somewhere probably around 20. Uh, but those, those are variable accrual rates based on length of service. So there's multiple data fields that are getting wrapped up in this thing. So yes, please, please. please. Okay. So with that, yeah, each division had their own part in that as well. Like looking at the union contract, is that different for civilian versus line personnel? Um, and then how those were entered. So in my experiences as a civilian staffing specialist at different places, um, I was the one that would enter those accruals in some situations. And that was a big feat for six to 800 people uh, going in and making sure that you're entering the correct ones. Um, CrewSense did make a feature where you could kind of um, like expedite that process and you could lump all of your personnel into a time frame, like you were saying with those variable accruals, you know, if you're a zero to five year, five to 10 year and so on, however you wanted to create the bracket, um, that would be an import that those smart people in the room could help with. We would break down our personnel, give them a list and say, you know, these hundred people are in this category, blah, blah, blah. And they would create those, uh, those variables for us to, to expedite that process. And then um, sometimes that would make it more automated. <clears throat> so sorry, more automated that those accruals would update on their own. And then we would just have to check them. Um, but same with vacation and things like that, we would do like a vacation bid and we could run that through the program. So there's so many things that mostly are done manually until you realize, Jeremy, like you were saying, you didn't even know some of these programs could do these things when they're like, oh yeah, we can make that automated for you. And, you know, shave off three weeks of time that would take you to do that on paper. Um, it's, it sounds amazing in theory and it is, but there again, it's like each, each component of that is usually more money. So that's something to be aware of too, is the easier they're offering things to be, the more it will cost you. But then again, you compare that to the amount of overtime and personnel utilization you're having for, for making those things work manually. And most of the time when, in our experiences, when we compared those things, it was more fruitful to have the the service or the the platform do it for us. So it it took a lot of comparing because we definitely wanted to make sure we were putting our money in the right place and in the right people. And it's a long vetting process, um, but that really helps in the grand scheme of things. If there's any automatic updates that can happen, or any automated processes, and some of that to me just was the scheduling piece. So um, once we switched over to CrewSense and things were pretty seamless, we had most of our line personnel on a regular assignment um, at a station, on a shift, and in a seat. And that assignment would repeat itself unless you told it to do something else. And at that previous department, there was very little movement other than like new recruits coming on or uh, paramedics and training, things like that at 
my department now at South Metro, we have a ton of rovers and a ton of people that move daily and sometimes multiple times a day. And so even further with that paper roster, it's like, man, you can have a rover move in three stations, you know, in one 24 hour shift. So it can get a little crazy. So those automation features and anything that the, the imports can help with really take out that kind of brain damage of having to manually place people constantly. So I found there's a lot of time to be spent building rosters in advance if you're not using that automation feature to create an assignment for someone to reappear in their seat at their station on their shift routinely. Um, and when you plan ahead and you're doing all that manually, it can all be undone up until the moment the shift starts. So I learned that one by discovery a few times where I was like, is there any, you know, real reason for me to be doing this two weeks in advance when, you know, the day of it all falls apart and I got to start all over again. So not sure if you're experiencing any of that, but it was nice once the big pretty picture was made and all those relationships were tied up nicely and we still had some minor issues along the way, but having everyone have a job to do and have user access worked out and some of those automation features in place, it made for a much more seamless uh, process and staffing and took a portion of those headaches away that we can experience. How are you guys picking leave, Jeremy? We, uh, we do of, it, I guess it's part of the contract. We do it annually. Um, in the end of the year, we, we start at the top of the seniority list and we go down, you pick your days. And once you're done, the next person goes there. So we've, we've looked at that bid process like Brandy talked about for, for doing the vacations. For us, we have so many kind of goofy rules, uh, you know, like the battalion and the XO and the safety and the EDO don't count towards the, the number allowed off a day. So it kind of messes up the, the bid process a little bit. Um, so we still kind of do it uh, half automated, half manually. Um, but the accruals for the most part are set up, like she said, uh, every year at January 1, uh, 1250 or, uh, you know, 001, the, the accruals jump into your account and uh, and they're there for the year. So that makes it very nice. Uh, like Brandy said, it, it makes us more efficient instead of me having to go in and put in all that time, you know, just for my shift, everybody has to do it. All I have to do is spot check maybe a person from each category to make sure that it went in the way it did. Um, mm -hmm. The only one we ever had any kind of issue with was our brand new people because our accruals happen January one and their hire date may be a little bit different time. So sometimes right. that throws it off, but we know to check for that now. So it's, it's usually not too bad. So. Now, do y'all have a mandatory cap uh, based on years of service for how much leave you can? Accrue? We do um, at 25 years, I believe you get a, a 19th, 19th day. So it, it breaks down to hours, but um, at 20 years, it's I think 18 and then you get another five, another day at 25. So um, there's a big block there from zero to five, it kind of grows. And then from five to 13, we get a, a set amount. And then after 13, you get a few more. So um, it's, it's broken out by, like you said, years of service. Is that consistent with what you see, Brandy? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And another thing, just an added layer to that. Also, you were talking about the rules, Jeremy, and just like goofy different things. Um, I think that's important to shed light on for anyone considering making any changes in the future. I think probably all the programs, but um, for me, I felt like CrewSense was very user-friendly um, and very aesthetically pleasing. Everything's different colors. You can drag and drop. Telestaff to me is this mysterious, great <laughs> machine <laughs> that is capable of probably running the world if you let it. Um, but it's a, it's over our heads for, for us, I think, in staffing for the most part. Almost everyone I've ever encountered has said, yeah, it works great, but I don't even have a clue the extent of things that it can do. So um, the rules thing can get pretty crazy. And in a big department like I have been in, we have a ridiculous amount of rules sometimes that we have to make sure go into that program correctly because your your staffing program is only as good as the input you give it. So we also learned by discovery a couple times that we put in a few of those rules, but not all of them. And it went on a heyday and did what it what we told it to do. Um, but then it ended up being a mess because we had these other rules off to the side that we didn't enter and we kind of had to backtrack and fix them manually. So I think that can be a blessing or a nightmare if you're looking into stuff like that. There 
our wonderful people at UKG. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, my experience with Telestaff now is much different than it was a few years ago when I had helped with a transition. So I think they have maybe just newer people and a new perspective and um, some really great IT specialists. So I've worked with a few in the last year that are just incredibly intelligent and really know the program inside and out. And one of them uh, in particular had uh, some fire service experience. So it was just like, man, it was so nice talking to him because I could tell him our crazy rules and some of our, uh, like our rank structure. And, you know, that's unique for a lot of people that aren't familiar is that every department is different. And yes, the chain of command is similar, but we have different names, ranks, and titles for everybody. So explaining that to him was a little bit easier because he understood what we were trying to accomplish. So I think to sum that up, there are some great people who are really, really super smart and they could put all of those rules into existence for you, but you'd have to be patient and you pay a contracted rate for them to help you. Mm -hmm. But I, in my personal opinion, I think it's so worth it. I think it, there's a lot of value in doing that. Um, But if you are able to manage what you've got going on and if it's not broke, you know, just keep using it the way it is. And you don't necessarily need that level of expertise to help you. So I think it could go either way, but it's something to consider because they are capable of taking everything you give them and making it run like a well-oiled machine. And we, you know, you're up against this, we call it the scrape, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we had our hours, we had our caps and every year, you know, HR comes to and goes, <laughs> they, they would scrape yep. Use it or lose right? it. So <laughs> Yeah. So the problem is our minimum staffing doesn't and our the number of people we can let off a day doesn't allow us enough time to burn down the lead. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much every year filing for extensions, you know, and uh, they're like, well, what's the reason for the request? I'm like, couldn't let them off. I mean, they just we couldn't. Have, they had to be here. They were work, even working mandatory overtime sometimes. So uh, that's where I really want to kind of. What I'm really, really interested in uh, and how you leveraged all this is what sort of analysis you could run, right? So I, I, I would love to have mm-hmm. something that could tell me how to balance my minimum staffing, my PTO accrual and, and burn rate mm-hmm. in, in the a way that gets me the best, uh, most efficient use of overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's an answer in there somewhere. <laughs> it's like a, this crazy algorithm that would have to run. But um how did that come together for you? Were you able to pull any analytics from it? Yes. Um, So I'll start with that and then maybe, yeah, it'll get more enlightening as we go on. So I'm sure there were other players in that, like maybe above my head that were looking at the money side of things and the analytics that way. Um, But I, I was known for being one of the only people that could pull any report that you could possibly think of. So it was pretty cool in those programs too, especially Telestaff. I could really, anything you asked of me, I could try and pull a report that would show you that. So I think from my understanding, it starts there. Like we were using the program to its full extent. We had rules set up where someone couldn't work more than their 72 hours, you know, things like that. You put in your policies, your procedures, and your rules into the program and it would it would not allow someone to sign up for overtime if they were over their time. So little things like that were being automatically managed within the program. So that was like the first step at helping us do that balance, I guess, automatically is just putting a stop to the things that aren't supposed to happen. Um, And then with that, you know, we allowed people to, to make their own changes, like request their time off or sign up for overtime. And then we, we, oversaw that and managed that and approved that, but the user, the end user could put those things in themselves and then it would be approved. So that all helped. And then once we started pulling the reports, um, I could, you know, based on the policy, if you have a specific, you know, some kind of mental health leave that you could take or a holiday, or sometimes the union contract would be different than the civilian contract and they would have a different holiday uh, specialty than another things like that. I could pull a report of any day time shift based on that data, or I could pull a personal report or a crew report or a battalion report. So any way you wanted to look at it, um, we could pull that report, do those comparisons and see, are we utilizing our, our crews in a functional way? Are we meeting that minimum staffing? Um, what are we looking at for recruiting next next year. I think all of those conversations probably started with looking at the reports we were pulling from the program. Um, so we kind of leaned on that. And 
I, just to be clear, I could be wrong. That was my understanding of how things were working when I was in the meetings and I was asked to pull the reports. But I just want to be transparent and that maybe there were other things going on behind the scenes that I didn't know about. And then these reports just played into that. Um, but it was nice to look at together and then all the different divisions could kind of put their two cents in during the meetings and say, yeah, it looks like that on paper, but this is what we're seeing in the field. So a whole lot of collaboration. I really see these programs as a tool to help you better collaborate and just a better use of time. But that also just depends on the goals of your department, I think. Well, you you kind of alluded to it. it at, at the end of the day, it's it's kind of a staffing analysis. Yeah. Is is when you when you get through all that at the end of the day when you have these reports, I've seen different methodologies for staffing analysis. There there's a, there's one way to go about it is to look at it from a tactical perspective where you're looking at the task and that drives the number of staff needed within a certain time period. But when you put the business hat on and you and you work in an administration and you're dealing with finance and HR. It's a different equation. They don't understand tactics at all. They're looking at it from a financial aspect. And I think that's an interesting uh, way to look at it. That, like, I've, I've seen my department, uh, we never did finish that. I, I actually retired before we got to any kind of conclusion. But I know another department in, in my region was able to uh, show by hiring additional staff, they were able to save money in the long run. Mm -hmm because they were paying a lower rate, right? ultimately. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying overtime to fill spots, they were using regular time to fill spots right. because even, and that was even offset by the benefits, right? So uh, you can really drill into some interesting conclusions when you have access to the reports like that you put together. What, Jeremy, what are you seeing on your end, man? How does this uh, resonate with you? Uh, it's it's very similar to what Brandy was saying. Um, having the the actual raw data and, and making it accurate, I think is the important part, because like you said, um, the, the business people see it differently than what we see it in the field every day. And if we can prove without, without a doubt that this is what our numbers are, um, it's, it's going to benefit everybody. It's going to allow our union guys to make the right uh, conversations with their contract negotiations. It's going to allow our, chief officers to go in front of the mayor and the city council and give them the the actual budget information. And then it, it also will allow for at the operations level for the battalion chiefs and the, and the division chiefs to say, this is what we're seeing and this is why we need more people or this is why we should should change something from one thing or another. But having the actual data is, is critical for when we when we go to those conversations. Oh, yeah. Now, Something just crossed my mind. I, I, it's not really a data related question. It's a safety related question. But how easy is how easy is it for either of you to know who's on duty? We talked about the paper sheets, right? Is there any what are you seeing as far as knowing who's on duty on an apparatus at any given second? Do you have any automated way to do that or is it still the, the paper sheet for us in the in our vehicles we always have access to our mdc which has access to our, our scheduling platform um it's it's on my phone it's on our computers it's on our on our ipads in the cars we can always look that up um the challenging days for us are say the middle of the summer on a saturday when there's you know we we're allowed seven people off a day but that doesn't include the battalion the exo the safety and whatever else training may be going on so there may be 12 to 15 people from other shifts that are on our our apparatus for that day so that makes it very challenging to know on a regular day i can i can hear voices we're small enough that that i know who's on what what apparatus but on those days when it's like that uh, it definitely makes it a challenge when you don't recognize who the person is you're talking to, um, you may be able to look at that piece of paper or that computer and say, oh, that's so-and-so, and, -so, and mm -hmm. you, you understand that. But but there can definitely be some challenges from day to day. Um, I think today we had we had split shifts, too, because we get into mm -hmm. those those things. Like Brandy said, We're ours is a 48 hours. You're not allowed to work more than 48 before you need a break. So we we couldn't fill one spot. So this morning it's one person and this afternoon it's a different person. So at 7 PM it changes. So if you're not on top of those things to be, you know, consciously thinking about that, you won't, you won't understand it when at nine o'clock tonight, somebody's calling a May day 
and it's a different voice than what you heard at noon today. So it, it's just a constant effort to make sure you're on top of it, at least from for, my job is accountability when I'm sitting in that buggy and I have to, I have to know who's on that fire ground or on that scene at all times. So it, it's something you have to, you have to work at for sure. Well, you, the reason I bring it up, the reason it crossed my mind was uh, we've been talking mostly about tech and finance and, and data and stuff, but it does have a tactical application in that if you have a catastrophic, a sudden catastrophic event, mm-hmm. which our department had, uh, we had we had an incident occur on the interstate where we we had a officer killed, lieutenant was killed in the line of duty, and uh, two other firefighters were catastrophically catastrophically injured. Uh, one of the key things that was a factor for us that night in the in, during a tropical storm, you know, and all the all the bad conditions uh, was who's on that truck. Yeah. Right. You know, like it was so critical to know exactly who that who was there uh, and, and make sure we had some accountability. And, you know, if somebody to hopped on the rig to hopped off or whatever. It, that could have been a very bad, bad deal in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, um, you know, that. Like I said, we, we, we talk mostly about staffing and finance and stuff, but I want to point out that tactical side, too, that um, it's important that we get that right. Um, so in case, if God forbid, I hope it didn't happen to anybody else, although it continues to happen of uh, emergency vehicles being struck on the interstate. We got struck quite, quite tough, quite bad spot, hit by a tractor trailer. So, uh, you know. Those are things you don't pay a lot of attention to in the normal business, right? You know, you're like, oh, I've got to put my tag. I got to, like, now we're scanning our tags in our <laughs> SCBA and stuff. You know, all that stuff. You're like, oh, it's just a thing. No, it's really, really important because if something bad happens, that's, that's, we're, we're leaning on that in a big way. So, but I think that's really important on so many aspects, but just in simple terms, I think everyone needs to know the why. And it sounds silly, but if everyone operationally, tactically, and on the admin side knows the why, they're less likely to question it or to not follow, you know, whatever kind of lead someone's trying to take with that. And I think that plays into the safety and every other aspect as well. Um, and it is huge. And I, I work for a volunteer department uh, as well, and it's smaller and it's blended and our accommodation department. And same thing, we'll have maybe a paper roster or an app that we know who's on shift, but it's on a very small scale. And it is just recognizing voices on the radio. Um, Unfortunately, we haven't had a catastrophic event in my time there like you've had, and I'm sorry to hear about that. Um, but that is a huge thing to consider. Um, and then at my bigger departments, you know, I've seen both sides where everyone has access to that staffing platform, and I can see a live version of the roster at any time, and the app works really well. Um, and then even communication within the app, I have to say with Crusence, uh, there was a lot of communication features where you could pretty much message directly through the app and through the staffing program. And all of that was tracked and timestamped, which was also very helpful. And um, in different applications, we're not using that. And uh, right now, I don't have access to see a live roster where I'm at. Um, and those those roles change frequently throughout the day. So it is very important, but explaining each division or each angle's why I think is very important in deciding to upgrade your staffing feature or having some way of knowing who's on every rig. Yeah. We're just about out of time for today. Um, any, any closing thoughts, uh, Jeremy, anything you want to leave parting gifts you want to leave for the audience? <laughs> no, no, I, I appreciate you having me on. I, th- I think this has been great conversation. I think I've left here with more questions than answers. <laughs> you know, I'm, I hope to go back and talk to some some powers that be and have some more conversations and maybe uh, maybe do what Brandy did previously and get some of those uh, those programs to talk to one another. Uh, like you said, the safety aspect is the biggest portion for me for sure. You never know who's on that truck from one day to the next, and 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 like Brandy said, finding your why and making sure that everybody goes home at the end of the day is is why we have all of this stuff. So um, it's important to. Uh, to use the features to their fullest and, and make it the most efficient for everybody. Uh, that way at the operations level or the administration level, everybody's happy about all of it. So again, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Send my best to the chief. Will do. Yes. Too. Thank you. You've got a great department, man. I was very happy to visit with them uh, last year. It was awesome. <laughs> Brady, anything you want to leave us with besides blowing our mind for the last <laughs> hour or so? Um, 
No, I don't think I have any extra nuggets of information for you, but I'm just so honored to be here. Thank you for including me. I was genuinely surprised when you reached out, but very excited because I call myself a data nerd and I really just have a, a weird special place in my heart for staffing, even though I'm not doing it all the time or currently. Um, I think it's a unique thing. And if we have the minds that understand how we staff operationally and uh, things that need to get done. I think it's important that we advocate for these tools that really help make us more efficient and safer and ultimately give better service to our communities. Um, so I just, I guess, would say like, you know, having those meetings or collaborations, even if you don't get your way right away, just to, you know, explain your why and get the right people in the room and open some minds and great things can happen. But um, thank you both so much. This has been awesome. And I always learn a lot and have loved the show so far, Eddie. So thank you. Absolutely. And Scooters, you're fire chief too. They got, got a great department there as well. So I appreciate them letting you, let me borrow, borrow you for a little bit to share this information. That's a wrap for this episode of the fire service data and tech talk. You can find us on uh, Twitter. We got a Twitter handle is data tech talk on Twitter. And we also have a, a fire service data tech talk Facebook page. So if you want to give us information, ideas for the show, feedback on the show, you're certainly welcome uh, to reach out to us there. And until next time, everybody be safe. See you on Fire Engineering. Fire Service Data and Tech Talk. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.